Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Colleen Gleason, the author of the Gardella Vampire Chronicles and Regency Draculia series for adults, who's writing for teens in her latest series, Stoker and Holmes. The first book, The Clockwork Scarab, will be published in September by Chronicle Books, which is sponsoring this podcast. The Clockwork Scarab takes place in London in the year 1889, but in this story, electricity has been outlawed and steam power is the norm. Young women are disappearing or being murdered in London, and two 17-year-olds have been called in to investigate. Mina Holmes, niece of the famous detective Sherlock Holmes, and Evelyn Stoker, whose older brother Bram is writing a book about the family's vampire hunting exploits. Mina and Evelyn aren't at all alike in terms of their personalities, but they'll have to learn how to work together if they want to solve the mystery in front of them. Colleen, thanks for speaking with me. Thank you, John. I'm glad to be here. So your books, the ones you've written before and also this new series, uh, typically mash up sort of supernatural elements with uh, different historical eras. Uh, to ask a sort of chicken or egg question, which uh, tends to come first for you? You know, it's, it's, it's the historical setting that comes first for me, actually. I've always enjoyed reading and writing historical fiction and um, dabbled in a lot of different areas, both in my reading and writing. And uh, it was the vampire and the paranormal elements that came in later. How did you land on uh, these two particular families, uh, the Holmeses and the Stokers, as ones you wanted to, to play with in this new series? Well, I'm a huge Sherlock Holmes fan, and uh, just everything about Sherlock Holmes I've always loved, um, and I've always been intrigued by the fact that there really hasn't been a female version of Sherlock Holmes, at least in my mind, someone who really did, you know, did um, Conan Doyle's creation credit, and got started thinking about what I would do um, in relation to a teen-focused story about a female Holmesian kind of character. So it kind of stemmed from that and um, realizing in my mind that Sherlock himself would never have a child. Um, he just never would get close enough to a person to, to be able to have a child. He, um, I decided he'd have to have a niece. And so she could be the, the daughter of Mycroft, his brother, who was just as brilliant as Sherlock. And in fact, according to Sherlock himself, is probably even more brilliant. So um, that's kind of where that stemmed from. And then I wanted to add in a foil for Mina and someone who is very different and who had different capabilities and someone who would, you know, they, they might butt heads a little bit, which, which is what makes for an interesting story. And since I had done the Gardella Vampire Chronicles, um, which was a series about a, a family of vampire hunters during Regency era London, I thought it would be interesting to kind of bring that idea in and it also was interesting to me to find out that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was very good friends with Bram Stoker. And even though Doyle doesn't appear in the story, obviously the Holmes element does. And it kind of all mashed in together when I started thinking about um, how interesting it would be if Bram Stoker was writing the book about Dracula because his sister was actually hunting vampires and that's how he knew about them. So it kind of all mashed in together and it was just kind of one of those happy serendipities. Well, it's funny you mentioned with the chemistry, even the series name, Stoker and Holmes, can't help but conjure a bit of a buddy cop partners in crime solving thing. Uh, makes me think a little bit of Cagney and Lacey or Rizzoli and Isles and duos like that. Uh, was the chemistry between Mina and Evelyn and their partnership really crucial for you? Well, and you might even call it anti-chemistry at the beginning, because really, even by the end of the book, they're, they're not really even friends. I mean, they, they are wary partners is what they are. And yes, I wanted to make sure that I had two different characters because, um, well, I wanted, I wanted the readers to be able to relate to maybe only one or both of them. And, and if I had different people you know, reading the book, I wanted them to have someone they could identify with, not necessarily the brainy Miss, Miss Holmes and not necessarily the brash and capricious Miss Stoker. Um, mm -hmm. one or the other, or maybe both. 
And was this book uh, something you envisioned as being for teens sort of from the start? Yes. From the very beginning, I wanted to do a steampunk world. And I started thinking about what what kind of elements would be interesting in a steampunk world. And then I I settled on the Holmes and Stoker idea. And uh, did you think a lot about, I guess, how young single women uh, would be able to operate, I guess, within the rules and etiquette of the time? That's what makes this book really fun. And what has made some of my other um, kind of urban fantasy historical novels fun is is taking, you know, the mores and the culture of the time and bending it a little bit in order to, um, for to inhabit my characters, my females. And, and they point out quite often in the story how what they do and um, what Miss Holmes does and what Miss Stoker does is very unusual for the young women of their time and in their, in their culture and why they're able to do the things that they are able to do and, and you know how the rest of the world or how the rest of society sees them and what the limitations are. You know, I was curious, you know, given this is your first, I believe, series for teens, what made you decide you wanted to move in that direction? Well, one of the fun things about writing for teens um, is that you tend not to be as restricted by genre. Uh, one of the things I've, I tend to do in, in most of my adult books is I end up straddling genres often, you know, between a historical fiction and an urban fantasy. And I've done a post-apocalyptic series with some paranormal elements. I've done a lot of different things, and I always end up having books that are sort of hard to categorize in the way that we're used to having them categorized. And uh, one of the things I love about YA is that you can straddle genres and nobody cares because it's a YA book. And if it's a YA book, it can be anything you want it to be. The other thing that's wonderful about YA is that it, you know, everybody reads it, adults and teens and even your older middle grade um, readers will sometimes read it as well. So I felt like I had the opportunity to get to a larger audience and also not be as restricted in, in having to fit a genre mold. It's also interesting in the book to see the ways that um, both girls sort of struggle with their their family history. It's almost like in some way it's the equivalent of being a minor celebrity, uh, you know, in that time period. And then also feeling like you have a, a family uh, reputation, I guess, to live up to. And it sort of hits them at different points in the book. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the important things that we, you know, that, that teen readers and, and middle grade readers and even those of, you know, those of us who are more mature readers, uh, we are always trying to figure out what our own skin is and how to fit into our own skin. And it's particularly true, you know, during the teen years, especially if you have, if you come from a family where you have, you know, a sibling who's older than you, who's done very well for themselves, or you've got, you know, parents that have very high expectations or other expectations that are being placed on you. And you're trying to figure out, you know, exactly who you are and how you fit into this mold that other people are creating for you. And at the same time, you want to do the people that you care about proud. So I think um, definitely both Mina and Eveline have those issues where they're trying to balance what they need to do for themselves while at the same time filling these huge shoes of their, their family, their family members. And also early on in the book, uh, readers, I think, began to piece together and understand that there's this steampunk element to the story, but also Egyptian myth and even time travel are also sort of playing parts in this story. So I have to ask, like, did at any point did you wonder, what am I getting myself into? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, there were moments when I was like, boy, there's a lot of moving parts here. Um, And uh, the time travel element was something that, you know, I really did discuss um, quite a bit with my editor. And um, I felt pretty strongly about it in the sense that I, I, I love the idea of string theory, which is kind of how I 
describe um, Dylan, that's the, the person who time travels, um, how I describe him making his way to um, steampunk 1889 London, which is an alternate history. But one of the things that was important for me was I, I really did want there to be that time travel element because I wanted there to be that reflection on our time. And I wanted there to be someone that could assist, not necessarily, you know, you know, spell it all out for the reader, but assist in the reader kind of making those connections and some of the, some of the strings that I was trying to weave between what's happening in our world and what was happening in this alternate world at the same time. But, but yes, there's absolutely a lot of things going on, but that goes along with um, my love for this this sort of genre of young adult that, that a lot of things can go on as long as they knit together and they have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just makes it, it gives, gives me the opportunity to do a lot of things in the future as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you mentioned before that the, uh, the steampunk amount was sort of a central one that you'd sort of started with. Did you know from the beginning that a lot of these other pieces were also going to be um, something you wanted to pull from for the series? I didn't know necessarily about the Egyptian piece. That was something that kind of popped in my head as I was first working through it. But I think that time travel element was always going to be there because of the the fact that it's an alternate history. It's not just a historical time period, but it's an alternate time period. And I wanted to be able to have that um, that happen. Plus, you know, at the time in Victorian London, when, when the story is taking place, time travel was something that everybody, you know, people talked about and, and were fascinated by, and it was showing up in fiction, and it, it seemed to make sense to me. I guess another sort of commonality that this book has with some of your, your previous writing is that certainly there's um, a strong romance uh, side. Did you have fun sort of trying to devise, you know, what sort of... Uh romantic foils and partners uh, that might work their way into both girls' lives. Indeed. Um, in the Gardella Vampire Chronicles, one of, the thi- one of the elements of that series that people really enjoyed was the love triangle, and it enabled me to learn how to write different compelling male figures of a romantic type and to make them different, very, very different, so that it wasn't the same character being written over and over again. So I was able to take what I learned from doing that series and bring it to Stoker and Holmes. And I do have, um, as you kind of pointed out, three main male characters, um, two of which are in a potential love triangle. And then the third one is is just a, a kind of a, a shady character that we're not sure how we feel about him. But this book in this series is not about the romance as much as it is about the girls. It's it's not about the guys and how, what they do. It's about the girls and what they're doing and how they how they find their own shoe, fit their own shoes, and how they can help each other. And usually the guys are not the ones saving the day. It's the the gals that are saving the day. And at the same time. Because it's not going to be um, focused on the romance, although that is such a strong element in any fiction for teen girls in particular, but but women and and many men actually do appreciate that element. Um, It will be part of it, but um, the girls will never have a situation where they would be competing for the same, the affections of the same male character. It's just not going to be part of their their issues. They have enough issues on their own, <laughs> and they're definitely not uh, definitely not damsels in distress. These two, they're not damsels in distress, and they also wouldn't be attracted to the same sort of guy. Mm-hmm. Did you approach writing the book any differently than you did uh, any of your adult series? Absolutely. Um, this is the this is the first book I've written in first person. And actually, when I originally started this book, I was writing Mina in first person, and I wrote Eveline in third person in order to make sure I differentiated the two characters, and because there were going to be scenes from each girl's point of view. There are not scenes from anybody else's point of view in this book and in the second book, other than the two uh, main characters. Uh, but then once we got once I got the book going, I realized, and after talking with my editor, I realized that I was going to make both of the girls speak or write in first person. So I had to spend a lot of time 
focusing on the differences in their voices and making sure that they were distinct voices, that, uh, you know, their points of view were appropriate, you know, what they were noticing, what they weren't noticing, and the way they were thinking, etc. And um, that was something that was very... You know, I've obviously done that in the past where I'm, where I'm writing dialogue and I'm, and I'm wanting someone to, you know, their dialogue is not different than someone else's. But this was a much, this was much harder to do because it was constant. It was constantly, whose voice am I in and would this girl say it this way? So that was definitely a different approach than, than writing any of the other 20-some books that I've written. Hmm. And uh, were you a big uh, reader as a teen yourself? Huge reader as a teen, yes. Read all the Nancy Drews. I read all the Hardy Boys. I read, you know, I read everything. Um, Willard Price, I read The Three Investigators. Huge reader. Okay. And, uh, you know, as you, as you mentioned earlier about thinking about crossover and that sort of thing, I'm sure your adult readers are well aware that, you know, this series is on the horizon. Uh, do you think you'll get some crossover from those fans as well as, and I, I guess on the flip side, I'm curious if, uh, if you've heard if teens have been finding their way to some of your uh, earlier adult books too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, in answer to both questions, uh, I already do have quite a big teen following for the Gardellas, uh, the upper high schoolers, and um, into the 20s, that, that age group really likes the, the Gardellas because it's like a Buffy, the Vampire Slayer sort of series. Mm-hmm. And I already have, my adult readers have already, you know, they're pre-ordering it, they're, you know, they're already, you know, reading the advanced copies, they're, they're definitely excited about it too, partly because there is a connection to the Gardellas and partly because the premise, they found the, they find the premise very interesting. Um, the, and I definitely will see, I'm sure that there will be some crossover from the, uh, from the teens going into my other books as well. It mm-hmm. makes sense because they're all kind of tied in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have a sense right now of how many books this series might unfold over? At this point, um, I see it as more than a trilogy. And I probably, if I had to, if I had to say something right now, I'd probably <laughs> say about, I'd say five, because to me, five sounds like a not too long, not too short. I don't, I don't ever want to write a series into the ground. Like, I don't ever want to write a series that uh, doesn't really have more to say. And yet, at the same time, with the things that I want to accomplish with these books and what needs to happen for these young women, um, it needs to be more than three books in my mind. What else are you working on at the moment, either you know, for adults or for teens? Well, I have a really great proposal that's going out very soon for actually middle grade um, students, and we'll see if that gets picked up. It's really, it's very high concept, very exciting, and I don't want to say anything about it yet because it's not out there. Mm-hmm. And then I will next be working on another Gardella Vampire Chronicles um, novel that is set in the Roaring Twenties in Chicago. Wonderful. Best of luck with this book and your future ones. And uh, thanks again for speaking with me, Colleen. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Uh, Once again, I've been speaking with Colleen Gleason, whose new novel, The Clockwork Scarab, will be published by Chronicle in September. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. Cast.